Chapter Twenty Three of Marriage, Volume One. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Patty Cunningham. Marriage, Volume One by Susan Edmonstone Ferrier. Chapter Twenty Three. I but purpose to embark with thee on the smooth surface of a summer sea, while gentle zephyrs play in prosperous gales, and fortune's favor fills the swelling sails. Henry and Emma. How long these voluntary sacrifices to duty and propriety might have been made, it would be most difficult to guess. But Lady Juliana's approaching confinement rendered her seclusion more and more a matter of necessity, and shortly after these events took place, she presented her delighted husband with a son. Henry lost no time in announcing the birth of his child to General Cameron, and at the same time requesting he would stand godfather and give his name to the child. The answer was as follows. Hort Lodge, Berks. Dear Henry, by this time twelve-month I hope it will be my turn to communicate to you a similar event in my family to that which your letter announces to me. As a preliminary step, I am just about to march into quarters for life with a young woman, daughter to my steward. She is healthy, good-humoured, and of course vulgar, since she is no connoisseur in China, and never spoke to a pug-dog in her life. Your allowance will be remitted regularly from my banker until the day of my death. You will then succeed to ten thousand pounds secured to your children, which is all you have to expect from me. If after this you think it worth your while, you are very welcome to give your son the name of yours faithfully, William Cameron." Henry's consternation at the contents of this epistle was almost equalled by Juliana's indignation. The daughter of a steward? Heavens! It made her sick to think of it. It was too shocking. The man ought to be shut up. Henry ought to prevent him from disgracing his connections in such a manner. There ought to be a law against old men marrying. And young ones, too, groaned Douglas, as he thought of the debts he had contracted on the faith and credit of being the general's heir for which all the sanguine presumption of thoughtless youth and buoyant spirits, Henry had no sooner found his fault forgiven than he immediately fancied it forgotten, and himself completely restored to favor. His friends and the world were of the same opinion, and, as the future possessor of immense wealth, he found nothing so easy as to borrow money and contract debts, which he now saw the impossibility of ever discharging. Still he flattered himself the general might only mean to frighten him, or he might relent, or the marriage might go off, or he might not have any children. And with these mighty hopes, things went on as usual for some time longer. Lady Juliana, who, to do her justice, was not of a more desponding character than her husband, had also her stock of hopes and expectations always ready to act upon. She was quite sure that if Papa ever came to his senses, for he had remained in a state of stupefaction since the apoplectic stroke, he would forgive her and take her to live with him, now that that vile Lady Lindor was gone, or if he should never recover, she was equally sure of benefiting by his death, for though he had said he was not to leave her a shilling, she did not believe it. She was sure Papa would never do anything so cruel, and at any rate, if he did, Lindor was so generous, he would do something very handsome for her and so forth. At length the bubbles burst. That same paper that stated the marriage of General William Cameron to Judith's broadcast spinster announced in all the dignity of woe 
the death of that most revered noble man and eminent statesman augustus earl of courtland in weak minds it has generally been remarked that no medium can be maintained where hope holds her dominion she is too buoyant to be accompanied by her anchor and between her and despair there are no graduations desperate indeed now became the condition of the misjudging pair lady juliana's name was not even mentioned in her father's will and the general's marriage rendered his settlements no longer a secret in all the horrors of desperation henry now found himself daily beset by creditors of every description at length the fatal blow came horses carriages everything they could call their own were seized the term for which they held the house was expired and they found themselves on the point of being turned into the street when lady juliana who had been for two days as her woman expressed it out of one fit into another suddenly recovered strength to signify her desire of being conveyed to her brother's house a hackney coach was procured into which the hapless victim of her own follies was carried shuddering with disgust and accompanied by her children and their attendants she was set down at the noble mansion from which she had fled two years before her brother whom she fortunately found at home lolling upon a sofa with a new novel in his hand received her without any marks of surprise said those things happened every day hoped captain douglas would contrive to get himself extricated from this slight embarrassment and informed his sister that she was welcome to occupy her old apartments which had been lately fitted up for lady lindore then ringing the bell he desired the housekeeper might show lady juliana upstairs and put the children in the nursery mentioned that he generally dined at eight o'clock and nodding to his sister as she quitted the room returned to his book as if nothing had occurred to disturb him from it in ten minutes after her entrance into courtland house lady juliana had made greater advances in religion and philosophy than she had done in the whole nineteen years of her life for she not only perceived that out of evil cometh good but was perfectly ready to admit that all is for the best and that whatever is is right how lucky it is for me exclaimed she to herself as she surveyed the splendid suite of apartments that were destined for her accommodation how very fortunate that things have turned out as they have done that lady lindore should have run off and that the general's marriage should have taken place just at the time of poor papa's death and in short lady juliana set no bounds to her self-gratulations on the happy turn of affairs which had brought about this change in her situation to a heart not wholly devoid of feeling and a mind capable of anything like reflection the desolate appearance of this magnificent mansion would have excited emotions of a very different nature the apartments of the late earl with their wide extended doors and windows sheeted furniture and air of dreary order exhibited that waste and chilling aspect which marks the chambers of death and even lady juliana shuddered she knew not why as she passed through them those of lady lindore presented a picture not less striking could her thoughtless successor have profited by the lesson they offered here was all that the most capricious fancy the most boundless extravagance the most refined luxury could wish for or suggest the bedchamber dressing-room and boudoir were each fitted up in a style that seemed rather suited for the pleasures of an eastern sultana or grecian courtesan than for the domestic comfort of a british matron 
i wonder how lady lindore could find in her heart to leave this delicious boudoir observed lady juliana to the old housekeeper i rather wonder my lady how she could find in her heart to leave these pretty babies returned the good woman as a little boy came running into the room calling mamma mamma lady juliana had nothing to say to children beyond how do you do love and the child after regarding her for a moment with a look of disappointment ran away back to his nursery when Lady Juliana had fairly settled herself in her new apartments, and the tumult of delight began to subside, it occurred to her that something must be done for poor Harry, whom she had left in the hands of a brother officer in a state little short of distraction. She accordingly went in search of her brother, to request his advice and assistance, and found him, it being nearly dark, preparing to set out on his morning's ride. Upon hearing the situation of his brother-in-law, he declared himself ready to assist Mr. Douglas as far as he was able, but he had just learned from his people of business that his own affairs were somewhat involved. The late Earl had expended enormous sums on political purposes. Lady Lindor had run through a prodigious deal of money, he believed, and he himself had some debts, amounting, he was told, to seventy thousand pounds. Lady Juliana was all aghast at this information, which was delivered with the most perfect nonchalance by the Earl, while he amused himself with his Newfoundland dog. Unable to conceal her disappointment at these effects of her brother's liberality and generosity, Lady Juliana burst into tears. The Earl's sensibility was akin to his generosity. He gave money, or rather allowed it to be taken, freely when he had it, from indolence and easiness of temper. He hated the sight of distress in any individual because it occasioned trouble, and was, in short, a bore. He therefore made haste to relieve his sister's alarm by assuring her that these were mere trifles, that as for Douglas's affairs, he would order his agent to arrange everything in his name, hoped to have the pleasure of seeing him at dinner, recommended to his sister to have some pheasant pies for luncheon, and calling Carlo, set out upon his ride. However much Lady Juliana had felt mortified and disappointed at learning the state of her brother's finances, she began by degrees to extract the greatest consolation from the comparative insignificance of her own debts to those of the Earl, and accordingly, in high spirits at this newly discovered and judicious source of comfort, she dispatched the following note to her husband. Dearest Henry, I have been received in the kindest manner imaginable by Frederick, and have been put in possession of my old apartments, which are so much altered, I should never have known them. They were furnished by Lady Lindore, who really has a divine taste. I long to show you all the delights of this abode. Frederick desired me to say that he expects to see you here at dinner, and that he will take charge of paying all our bills whenever he gets money. Only think of his owing a hundred thousand pounds, besides all papa's and Lady Lindor's debts. I assure you I was almost ashamed to tell him of ours, they sounded so trifling, but it is quite a relief to find other people so much worse. Indeed, I always thought it quite natural for us to run in debt, considering that we had no money to pay anything, while Cortland, who is as rich as a Jew, is so hampered. I shall expect you at eight. Until then, adieu, mia caro. Your Julie. I am quite wretched about you. This tender and consolatory billet Henry had not the satisfaction of receiving, 
having been arrested shortly after his wife's departure at the suit of mr shagg for the sum of two thousand some odd hundreds for carriages jobbed bought exchanged repaired returned etc lady juliana's horror and dismay at the news of her husband's arrest were excessive her only ideas of confinement were taken from those pictures of the bastille and inquisition that she had read so much of in french and german novels and the idea of a prison was indissolubly united in her mind with bread and water chains and straw dungeons and darkness callous and selfish therefore as she might be she was not yet so wholly void of all natural feeling as to think with indifference of the man she had once fondly loved reduced to such a pitiable condition almost frantic at the phantom of her own creation she flew to her brother's apartment and in the wildest and most incoherent manner besought him to rescue her poor henry from chains and a dungeon with some difficulty lord courtland at length apprehended the extent of his brother-in-law's misfortune and with his usual sang-froid smiled at his sister's simplicity assured her the king's bench was the pleasantest place in the world that some of his own most particular friends were there who gave capital dinners and led the most desirable lives imaginable and will he really not be fed on bread and water and wear chains and sleep upon straw asked the tender wife in the utmost surprise and delight oh then he is not so much to be pitied though i dare say he would rather get out of prison too the earl promised to obtain his release the following day and lady juliana returned to her toilette with a much higher opinion of prisons than she had ever entertained before lord courtland for once in his life was punctual to his promise and even interested himself so thoroughly in douglas's affairs though without inquiring into any particulars as to take upon himself the discharge of his debts and to procure leave for him to exchange into a regiment of the line then under orders for india upon hearing of this arrangement lady juliana's grief and despair as usual set all reason at defiance she would not suffer her dear dear harry to leave her she knew she could not live without him she was sure she should die and harry would be seasick and grow so yellow and so ugly that when he came back she should never have any comfort in him again henry who had never doubted her readiness to accompany him immediately hastened to assuage her anguish by assuring her that it had always been his intention to take her along with him that was worse and worse she wondered how he could be so barbarous and absurd as to think of her leaving all her friends and going to live amongst savages she had done a great deal in living so long contentedly with him in scotland but she never could nor would make such another sacrifice besides she was sure poor courtland could not do without her she knew he never would marry again and who would take care of his dear children and educate them properly if she did not it would be too ungrateful to desert frederick after all he had done for them the pride of the man as much as the affection of the husband was irritated by this resistance to this will and a violent scene of reproach and recrimination terminated in an eternal farewell End of chapter 23 Recording by Patty Cunningham